All right, welcome to Halal Money Matters, presented by Saturna Capital. I'm Chris Patton, Saturna's cultural attache, and I'm here, as always, with Monim Salam. Hi, Vice guys. President. How are you doing, Chris, today? I'm great. How are you? Um, I'm doing well. We're really excited about having our guest today. Yeah, uh, we got a ringer here for the first time. You yeah. want to introduce him? Sure. Um, Oase Dadaboy, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's uh, great to be here. Yeah, Oase is our Director of Islamic Investing at uh, Saturna Capital, and we have a very exciting topic today. Most people always think about this topic through either work or you know what they want to do when it comes to retirement. So we thought we'd have an expert who's actually gone around the country talking about the subject itself and has heard all the questions under the sun that, that come up when it comes to retirement. So I'm really excited to have Awais here and to talk about the specifics of how can a Muslim retire in a halal way. It's always great to have a great audience. And also coming up here to Bellingham, Washington, the headquarters of Saturna Capital, I uh, would encourage people to come visit. It's a beautiful place. Especially in the summertime. In the spe- yeah, exactly. Yeah. And is. where are you located kind of centrally? I'm in Southern California, specifically okay. in Orange County. Mm. So tell me, how often do you travel? I mean, you must have like a million miles or something a year. Or? So I, I typically travel two times a month, sometimes a little bit more. Just depends on, you know, where we're going to, to make a given educational talk or if there's a conference coming up where we can speak to a wider audience. And is this uh, something you initiate the talks? Like if our listeners want to have you over, what, what do right. they have to do? Yeah, we do get invited, um, like I said, at conferences, at uh, MSAs even, and at, at mosques that want to have us come out and talk to their audience. You know, a lot of the, the mosques throughout the country have Friday night programs or Saturday night programs. And this is one of those topics that people want to hear about. They're not told about in college or even high school. So once this goes out there, word of mouth spreads, and the other mosques want us to come out as well. And if, if one of our audiences want, they can directly email you sure. at uh, OMD, that's always Muhammad Dadaboy, OMD, at Saturna.com. That's right. I'm um, curious, I mean, no matter how many times you talk about this topic, you probably see a lot of, like, open eyes and people right. realizing that they might want to make changes in their finances. Do you feel like that's true? It is true, and, and there's actually the. I always thought that the young people would not respond to it well, especially if you talk about retirement. But when you talk about the fact that the earlier that you start in life, the more you can have in retirement, their eyes do perk up because the person that's 40 years old that's about to start saving for retirement and hopes to retire at 60 or 65, it's a dream of theirs. They're put, they're having to put in thousands of dollars a month or you know fifteen twenty thousand a year to get to their retirement goals. Whereas the 22-year-old can put in hundreds of dollars. Just starting early is the, the most beneficial part of investing or saving for anything. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what you would tell your younger self, right, was to start earlier? Well, I was lucky, and I tell the story that a manager is not allowed to force you to go into a 401k, but mine did. And oh, I was 19 really? years old. I was 19 years old, worked for a large financial services company, and she told me that you will put in 10% of your salary into this, <laughs> even though I'm not allowed to tell you that, but you're going to do it, and you're going to thank me later. And I still remember her more than anyone else at that company, you know, 30 years later. That's the best gift she ever gave you, I guess, right? It is the best financial yeah. decision somebody else made for me. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. And then, and you know, sometimes uh, when I was in college, I started saving as well. And, you know, my thought was to be able to um, do it as far as retirement. But, you know, about five years out of college, an emergency came up and I had to use all the money. Yes. But it was fine because I, if I hadn't saved it, I wouldn't even had it. So right. some people think of retirement as like the golden handshake and you walk away and you do nothing for the rest of your life. But I think it's just emergency purposes can, can, be, can work as well. Well, on that point, what we find is we, we manage about 174 case throughout the country for uh, nonprofits and mosques and doctor's offices and large companies. 
And what we find is that they come back to us, the people that are participating in this 401k, three, four years later, and they say, hey, how do I take out that loan that was mentioned because I'd like to buy my home? So we see people having the largest chunk of their money in this 401k. So what I try to tell people is, yes, start putting in money into the 401k. You can't envision it right now like I can because I know it's going to happen for you. You're going to save up a hopefully a mountain of money. But what I'd like for you to do is take some money and do that outside of your retirement as well. So when you need to pull money, you're not pulling from your retirement account. Mm-hmm. But if you need to, you can take a loan against your 401k. And that, and I think we'll get into that um, a, a little bit further when we specifically talk about 401k because that's a good point. I mean, do you want to take money out of your 401k to be able to buy the house? And even if you have enough money, do you take it out and then you have to pay yourself back with some interest rate? So we'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later and, and whether you should do it from a financial perspective right. and whether you can do it from an Islamic perspective. But one thing that I was going to ask you was, and then we'll get into specifics, you know, a lot of people, when you give general seminars to, the, to audiences, they haven't even thought about retirement. And so I would assume that's the case in, uh, in the Muslim community also. You're doing a double education, right? So you're not only talking about retirement, but then you're also talking about how to make sure that that retirement is, uh, is Islamic or uh, according to Sharia guidelines. So do you find that or most people are pretty familiar with what, what one or the other is? When I first started back in 2008, making a presentation here or there, right, just getting started, what I realized pretty quickly is if you don't educate, inspire, and motivate people to save for their retirement, they're not going to do that because they haven't done it in the past. But what I do find is that when you encourage them and talk to them and talk about specifically the three legs of the retirement stool, right? And in the past, maybe our our parents or our grandparents, they would have a pension plan that their company would pay for them. Look, work for 20 years or 25 years, and at the end of it, we'll pay you $2,000 a month or $3,000 a month, and you may still get Social Security, right? And if you had any savings, that's great. So the three legs of the retirement um, uh, stool are pension plan, 401k, your own savings, and Social Security. The problem is, and most people don't know this, and this is where we really have to educate people, is one of those legs is now gone. The pension system is no longer there unless you're a congressperson or a fire, uh, fireman or firewoman or police per- policeman, etc. So if you take that one out, now imagine me, I'm a relatively big guy trying to balance myself on a two-legged stool, right? <laughs> it's not going to be that easy. The second part of it is Social Security income. There's 40 million Americans getting regular Social Security income. I'm not talking about disability or your parent dies and you know a four-year-old is getting Social Security income. Um, there's 40 million regular Americans that, that retired and getting Social Security. You know what their average income is? Average is 1400 plus, just, just over $1,400. So when I go throughout the country and I talk to somebody in Texas or New York or Florida or Ohio or Southern California, the first question I ask them is, how much is your rent? But imagine living off of $1,400 a month. Sure. Where are you going to buy your food and actually have the retirement of your dreams? So the Social Security system was actually founded in 1948. Um, and now most people in, in America are living till about 84 is the age for women. Well, do you know what the average mortality rate was in 1948 when the Social Security system was started? It's probably something around 60. It was 55. They basically were counting you never using that pension system. <laughs> right. So it was a great tax on the American people that they would never accumulate. Now it's completely turned upside down. Right. Yeah. So, you know, whether it's going to be around, I think it will be. But at the strength that it is now or even weaker, probably that's, that's what's going to happen. That's kind of, you know, something to think about as well. Well, it's enough of a question mark that are incentivized to take responsibility yeah. for it yourself to the extent that you can while you can. Yeah, true. Yeah. All right, so now let's get a little bit more specific about different types of plans. So, so where should we start first? Well, so we have 
IRA accounts, I think everyone's heard of an IRA. It stands for Individual Retirement Account. It's your own account. And so each person can own one as long as they have some type of earned income. And this is a good way for people to start off when they're first starting. Even if their company doesn't offer a 401k, open up an IRA account. And if you're young, you put in money into a Roth IRA, you can save over a long period of time. Um, when you, you say Roth, can you, can you explain that? Yeah. So the Roth IRA is going to allow you to pull out money in retirement without paying any taxes on the gain, which is a huge benefit to Americans. Because as we know, we get taxed on everything. So this is one of those uh, opportunities that you won't get taxed. It's so good that they won't allow people over a certain income limit to have it because mm-hmm. there's too much benefit to them. So explain a little bit more about taxes and, the, uh, and is there any benefit on the way in and on the way out or what, where, how does that really work? So a Roth IRA, when you put money into it, it, is your money after tax. You've already been taxed. It's coming out of your checking account. You're writing a check and you're hoping to grow this over time. And so imagine you put in 200000 over the life of this Roth IRA and now it's become, this is just uh, hypothetical, it's become 500000 so if that, that 500000 in any other scheme in America, right, in any kind of account that you have, um, 300000 is going to be taxed. So out of that 300000 you might be taxed eighty dollars or $100,000. But in the Roth IRA, you won't be taxed on any of that money. And that, all of that money is going to come to you. But on the other side, there's the traditional IRA. The benefit is that you get to deduct this on your taxes today. So if you put in $6,000, which is the annual limit, you will be able to deduct that. Most people can deduct that on their taxes. And so you might save 1200 to $2,000 depending on your tax bracket. And there are income limits on that as well. But on this one, when you retire, you're gonna, every time you pull out money, you're going to be taxed on that. So Chris, have you ever thought about like um, doing the math on what's better for you, like a traditional or a Roth? Or yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't mind saying I'm doing a traditional. Roth certainly sounds attractive. I have not experimented with actually doing it because, the, to me, psychologically, I think the I recognize that the benefit would be greater later. But I often think, you know, maybe maybe this is the year I switch to Roth. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, and I never thought about this until you just brought it up now. But you know, a lot of people think, like for example, if you're doing this in a regular 401k or IRA. Now, let's supposing you have $100,000. You think you have 100000 but you really don't. Because when you pull it out, you're going to get taxed on it, right? Exactly. So actually, you have much less than that. So when, when I started my 401k, there was no Roth 401k. In fact, there was no Roth IRA back then, right? I'm not that old, but still, <laughs> there, was, there was none of those things. Now what I tell people is, in the beginning of your career, when you are not being hammered by taxes, if taxes are not really a concern to you, Go ahead and put money into the Roth IRA or Roth 401k. At some point, you're going to notice your paycheck, and it's going to have a huge amount of tax that came out, and you're going to say, how do I save myself from some of these taxes? At that point, you can switch over to the traditional 401k or the traditional IRA. Now, the benefit of this is when you retire, let's say you're 62 when you retire, and that particular year, you still have some income coming in. So what you're going to do is you're going to say, look, my tax bracket is a little bit high, Let me pull out money from my Roth bucket because I have money in my Roth piggy bank, right? So you're going to pull money from there. When you're 68 and you no longer have any income, your Social Security income is not that much, you're not being taxed a lot, you can take it out of your traditional 401k or traditional IRA. You'll get taxed, but you're going to be at a lower tax bracket. It is nice to have two buckets of money. I wish I had that, but... Um, I didn't have that opportunity when I was younger, when I was paying less tax. So are you basically saying that, so there's a traditional IRA and a 401k, and then there's a Roth IRA and a Roth 401k. That's right. Right. So are you saying maximize both? 
So the issue here is that some employees do not have an option of having a 401k because a 401k is employer sponsored. If your employer doesn't have a 401k for you, then you don't have an opportunity. So you'll go to Saturna or to some bank or some investment company and open up an IRA instead. Okay, so if you have a 401k, the benefit of that is it comes out of your paycheck every two weeks. If you get paid every two weeks, it's going to come out of there. There's multiple benefits of this. I, I once was at a conference and this young lady came up to me and she said, you know, I opened up an IRA with your, with your company four years ago and every year I forget to put money into it. <laughs> every single year. And the, the, the money that you put in in the beginning because of compounding returns is going to be much more valuable later. In fact, Einstein is attributed to have said that the greatest force in the universe is the power of compounding, right? Mm -hmm. So those first dollars are really important. So one of the benefits is that the money is going to come out every two weeks. That means you're buying at different levels of the stock market, mm -hmm. right, if you're investing in stock mutual funds. The other thing is if you have a traditional 401K, it's lowering your income every two weeks. So if, if you get paid $2,000 every two weeks, if you put in $500, you're only getting taxed on $1,500. So, and it's automated. It's every single two weeks, and this is how you really grow your money in America. Unless you're a business owner having a lot of business come your way you know, during good times, this is the way for the typical American to save. Whereas the, the uh, traditional and the Roth IRA um, you're going to have to set up an automatic contribution. It's going to come out of your checking account instead of your paycheck. And then so now, um, uh, is there anything else that we, uh, as just an average investor, uh, different type of plans um, that we can think about uh, to saving for retirement? I mean, I know uh, for my parents, for example, their house is a big part of their net worth is in, in, embedded in their house, and it's, they right. own it 100%. Is that a, a tool for retirement, or is that something that you should just forget about because... So there are many people that save uh, using real estate. And when home prices were much lower in a lot of parts of the country, it was feasible to do. One of the beauties of investing in mutual funds is you can start off with $100. Whereas if you want to buy a property, you're going to have to have a significant amount of money, even to have a 5% down payment. So what I would recommend is, look, don't wait to have money saved up at least get started in some type of mutual fund investing, build up your nest egg. And then if you want to go buy a house as one of your investments for retirement, that's great. In fact, I know people in Southern California that retired at 50 and they're just managing their seven or eight properties and that's their retirement living. They're just going around checking uh, if the home is fine and collecting their, their paycheck. So that is a great way to save for your retirement as well. Switching a little bit over um, from, from the retirement, talking a little bit about um, uh, Sharia-compliant investing, so, I mean, I know, you know, sometimes I, I get calls and people are like, well, you know, I put my IRA in a bank. Is that is that halal? And, and I, I get a statement saying it's interest. So how do you go about making sure that your retirement money is also halal? I used to work at a bank, and that was many years ago. And once I realized what was going on with interest and usury and whatnot, I started when I was 19, as, as I mentioned earlier. Once I realized that, I, I figured I have to move somewhere where I can still use my financial services experience but use it in a way where Muslims can also benefit. And so that's how I, I came to this company. Um, the difference is if you put money into a bank IRA, you're getting a fixed rate of return. Either it's going to be a savings account, which is a little flexible, it's going to give you half a percent, or you can put it into a CD and get 2 or 3%. So one thing is you're, you're using interest, but the second thing is you're really lowering your performance. And there's three different important pieces for saving. One is your diversification, one is your return, and the other one is time, 
right? So you're, you're, miss, you're missing out on uh, one of the key components, which is the return. You're really limiting that. Um, but you can also go and you can say, look, whichever bank or in investment company, and instead of opening up a bank IRA, I'm opening up an investment IRA. Now you have to determine what fund you want to buy or which stocks you want to buy. There's 10,000 different options. So if you want to keep it simple and go to a company that has um, funds based on Islamic principles since 1986, it's vetted. Most of the scholars I know have accounts with us as well because it's tried and tested. Um, this is the way to do it to make it easy for yourself. But are people surprised to hear that it's even possible to take a retirement account and have it be halal? Or is it, you know, I thought that these were my only options. Well, know? some of the people we talked to, They've never heard about Islamic investing before, mm. still, surprisingly. Even, even though we're out there for 30-plus years um, giving talks wherever we possibly can, there are people that haven't heard about it. And what we find is that once they hear about it, they almost drop everything to try to get into it. And that, that actually brings me to another point. So if you're an employee at a technology company or a doctor's office and you have a 401K, there is a way to invest in halal funds. And the way to do that is to ask them to either add one of the funds to the lineup, which is really difficult to do because they typically have 10 to 15 on a lineup. So adding one fund they don't, that they don't really know about is difficult. But instead, you can ask them to open up a brokerage option, which really doesn't cost the company anything, but gives you access to the mutual funds that you'd like to choose. Do you work with employees or groups of employees to uh, achieve that? Or do you get that request to take a more hands-on approach uh, with here's what here's exactly what you should do and are you available to do that typically we get calls maybe you know a couple of times a month from people that work at a company they know that they want uh, sharia compliant or islamically based mutual funds and they don't have access to them in their 401k they're ready to stop their 401k once they realize um, you know the importance of um, saving according to your principles so we do talk through it, how they can approach their HR department or their 401k uh, department at their, at their company, if it's a large company, and what kind of conversation to have with them. So we'll, we'll walk them through it. It usually takes three or four conversations before they feel they can take that step and go talk to HR. Sure, sure. And so one thing that people can do if they don't have access to Sharia-compliant funds in their 401k is simply open up an IRA account. You can do that, and you can see, you won't be able to save nineteen thousand dollars per year, but you'll be able to start putting in six thousand dollars a year, and then continue to have that conversation with your employer because they want you to invest in their four hundred one k so they can pass their discrimination test at the end of the year. The more people that put money into a four hundred one k at an employer, the better it is for the highly compensated employees because they can put in the maximum nineteen thousand per year. Yeah. So you would say, you know, you dream about having a Roth 401k, but you don't have the option. That doesn't mean wait for it. You Correct. can take steps now and then open that account later. And then you have the different buckets that you're talking about. Well, and you should absolutely do that. Yeah. And I'll give you a quick example. If you're a 25-year-old and your employer doesn't have the Roth or they don't have the 401k option with, um, with the funds that you want. So you go and open up an IRA account and you put in let's say last year's numbers, because that's the last time I did this, uh, this calculation, $5,500 into your IRA account. $5,500, you're 25 years old, and you're going to retire at 65. So you have 40 years. And so in those 40 years, you're putting in $220,000. 
And if you have an assumed rate of return, this is just an assumption, it could change, but the average of those years is 7% per year, you'll end up with just over 1.2 million. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a great number. That's something we can get into if you want to later. Um, but if you wait and you say, look, I'm 25, my company doesn't offer uh, the 401k with the funds that I want to purchase, so I, I'll wait until they do that. And it takes you 10 years to get that opportunity. So now you've wasted 10 years, right? Remember Einstein saying compounding is the greatest force in the universe. You've, you've wasted those 10 years, which means you did not put in $55,000. First person put in 220000 you put in $55,000 less. But the first person ended, ended up with $1.2 million. You ended up with 559000 Wow. Just for missing $55,000 worth of uh, savings in those 10 years. The early years really matter a lot, yeah? They absolutely yeah. do. So now let's come back to a topic we, I told you I would, would come back to. And that is, you know, let's supposing that I've been saving for about, you know, 10 years I, I, right out of college. And now I have a pretty significant uh, amount, let's say about 100000 or uh, 150000 and I want to be able to borrow that money. You had mentioned something about borrowing money from a 401k. Borrow money out of that 401k to be able to put a down payment on the house. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something you'd recommend from a financial perspective? If that's the only place you're going to have money because you didn't listen to my <laughs> <laughs> my advice 10 years before and have a non-retirement account as well. Because I, I really think that, look, if, if your money, think about that 25-year-old, they built it up to $1.2 million. If they pull out money early on, that money is not going to grow for them. Right, because at a rate of return of around seven percent, you're doubling your money every ten years. So that fifty thousand dollar loan that you took, that was going to become two hundred thousand dollars in twenty years, is not going to do so. But if you do want to take a loan, that's some people do that, and that's the only option. And you know, I think home ownership is very important in America. Um, that was the second best uh, financial decision I made. Right, first one was made for me. So I would say go ahead and do it if you really need to, and that's the only way you're going to be able to buy this home. And the way it works is if your employer has a 401k, you have money in it, you have at least $50,000, you can borrow up to $50,000 and either take a personal loan or a loan to buy a home. And the difference is if it's a personal loan, it's a shorter term payback. You have to pay it back sooner. If you're taking it out for to buy a home, then you can have a longer period of time. And you are going to be charged an additional amount. You can call it interest if you'd like, but it's going back to you. So if you're making a payment of $200 of payroll and you're going to have this for five years, some of that $200 is interest that you're paying yourself back. I don't think I knew this. On a loan out of a 401k, the the added amount that you're paying back is going into your account. It's going back into your account. And the reason they do this is you missed out on a return Mm -hmm. from your money being in the 401k. So you're paying yourself back so you don't miss out on that portion of it. So do you know how much that interest is, roughly? I mean, is it... So it depends on what the uh, rates are throughout the country. So when rates were higher, it was 8 or 9%. Wow. These days, if you do it, it's probably closer to 4 or 5%. So it's based on the bank rate uh, or mortgage rate that, that's, that's right. currently out that's there. That's right. Interesting. Right. Prevailing rates. You also mentioned there's a cap. You can't take all of the money out to, to take a loan. That's right. So if you're trying to buy a home in Dallas, Texas for 225000 your first home, and you have 400000 in your 401k, unfortunately, you can't buy that with cash. You're mm. going to be able to borrow a maximum of $50,000. There, there is something else to keep in mind. If you leave that employer, that money is going to come due typically in 90 days. So if you paid off 15000 of this 50000 and you left that employer you need to pay that $35,000 pretty quickly. Yeah. And I'm just out of curiosity, can you borrow from an IRA also? 
you cannot borrow from an IRA typically. So what you're going to do there is you're going to make a withdrawal if there's a hardship or you're buying your first home. So you won't pay the penalty on it, but if it's a traditional IRA, you'll pay taxes on the withdrawal, just like you would have in retirement. So really, that's another benefit maybe to a 401k to to be able to put your money into. That's right. I mean, not only can you put in more money, not only does it automatically take money, uh, take uh, your income and lower it, but you can also take a loan against it. If you pull money out of an IRA before retirement, is there is the tax burden greater or is it essentially the same no matter what your age is? That's a really good point, because if you're 43, let's say, and you have a much higher income than when you were 23. So you may be in a higher tax bracket. So when you pull it out now at 43, you're, you may be at the highest tax bracket you're ever going to be in versus 63 when you would only have Social Security income. So there is going to be that detriment as well of pulling out money from there. Yeah. I, I did want to mention one thing on that part about the loan. You know, there, there is a hadith of the Prophet that said that within the family, there's no interest. You know, when you take money out from a 401k and you end up paying it back, which is really important that you're paying yourself back and not... Right the 401k provider or the bank, although that's considered interest, um, that is halal. You know, as we're beginning to wrap up, Chris, I don't know if you have this this kind of question that comes up in your mind, and that is, you know, give me one number that I need. Is there like a one number? Is there like like a simple calculation that I make uh, can make to be able to come up with that number? If you talk to a financial advisor, they're going to tell you, look, the last salary you have before you retire, take 70% of that, and you'll need that every year. So let's say... Your last salary, just for round numbers, is $100,000 at age 59, and you retire, you're lucky. Well, let's use a million because I think Chris probably will be at a million salary. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, if you're 59 and you're lucky enough to retire at 60 and you have a $100,000 income when you're 59, you're going to want at least $70,000. Now, why is that? What if, what if you've paid off your home? Do you still need to have a good amount of money? Yes, because you're going to pay property tax. You're going to have all kinds of insurance that you're paying. I like to say the hot water heater is going to go out and it's going to cost you $1,500. That's happened to me a couple of times, and the costs have gone up over time. So you definitely want to save up a good amount. And I like to tell people this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. We're talking to you about saving from starting at age 19 or 25 all the way until retirement. You're delaying gratification on some amount of money. But it's going to do you a lot of good later on. So if you get to that $1.2 million, and again, let's make it round numbers. Let's make, let's make it a million dollars. And you're getting a 7% rate of return, even in retirement. Let's just say that you're getting this average of 7%. So you pull out 7% per year in retirement, right, after the age of 59 and a half. How much more money are we pulling out of that million? It's $70,000 per year. And if you're still getting that 7% return, you still have a million dollars. So if you can still fund your life, and then at the end of your life, you, you, you have a living trust or will, and you're able to give this million dollars, part of it to your grandchildren, your children, and your favorite charity. What a legacy to leave. And I, in a prior episode, talked about my past ignorance about, oh, I'm going to live cheaply. What do I need money for? I'm not going to go anywhere. I don't need a boat. But just working in this industry has opened my eyes to, you know, hearing people like you speak about it and realize, oh, no, I'm actually going to need to pay for health care and this and that and this. And it does sound much nicer to have, you know, a legacy than to just resign yourself to living on nothing. Expounding on the idea of how much money do I need to have in retirement, um, a good place to go is on a website like ours where you can go in and and look at the retirement savings calculator. It'll ask you, what is your current income? What is the assumed rate of return? How old are you? And when do you plan on retiring? 
and and the good retirement savings calculators will spit out a number will send you a number will give you a number and the retirement savings calculator will help you with that that sounds helpful the, and, and one final thing i suppose is we said look you had to be 25 to take advantage or 20 or whatever it happens to be to take care of compounding returns and not put in as much money but if you're 50 not all is lost because think back when you were 25 what your income was and what it is at 50 hopefully it's a it's you know maybe two or three times more which means that you can put in two or three times more money so not all is lost you just need to change the equation time is less but the amount of money that you put in is more. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I like to look at it as a barbell approach, which is, you know, right out of college um, and maybe until you get married and have kids, you have a, a lot of discretionary income and you can save a lot. And then you're going to have life, life, life uh, things that happen, your kids, their college, your marriage, everything's going to happen. And then after they leave college and you have a, a, maybe another five to ten years of earnings potential, and that's where the other time you're going to have a lot of discretionary income and you can save. So if you can use that bar blah, but in the middle, keep saving, you're going to go a long way. And I think what, on that note, what I would uh, recommend to people is once they sign up for a 401k at work, is you can choose either to put in a monthly amount of dollars, right? You can say, I'm going to put in $500 every month or $250 every payroll. What I would say is, look, if, if you know that that's all you can put in is $500 a month, figure out what percentage of your income that is and make it a percentage instead. Mm-hmm. So what happens is if, you, if your income goes from 40000 to 70000 and you're putting in 10%, now you're putting in 7000 a year instead of 4000 but you really didn't know how that 7000 was going to feel, right, or that 3000 extra was going to feel. So even when you're going through all these life's expenses with the children that Monima was mentioning, you are still able to save. You have to save for yourself first, for your future self. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Oase, for this, uh, for, for this, for the podcast. Really, it was my pleasure. Um, yeah, I, le- I learned a lot as well. I'm sure Chris did as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, we really appreciate your time that you spent uh, with us today. If you want to speak to Oase more about what you've heard him say or in- even invite him to speak, you can reach out to him how? So you can email me at omd at saturna.com. That's S-A-T-U-R-N-A. Or call into our office, 800 saturna and ask for me, and I'll be happy to contact you back. Great. Thank you very much, Oase, for, for, for joining us. And if our listeners have more specific uh, um, questions or, or information they need, um, we have a lot of resources available at amanafunds.com. Um, there's videos. There's actually a brochure you can download and, and read all about it. So there's mul- multiple opportunities for us to be able to start now rather than 20 years from now. Thank you both for having me. Thanks for Thank coming. You. Remember, not all 401k plans offer all the options we discussed, like loans or brokerage windows. There can be a big difference in terms of features. So if you have a 401k, talk to your plan administrator to learn about all the options that are available to you. Please consider an investment's objectives, risks, charges, and expenses carefully before investing. To obtain this and other important information about the Amana Funds in a current prospectus or summary prospectus, please visit amanafunds.com or call toll-free 1-800-728-8762. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. Investing involves risk, including the risk that you could lose money. The Amana Funds restrict investments to those companies consistent with Islamic and sustainable principles, which limits opportunities and may affect performance. This material is for general information only and is not a research report or commentary on any 
investment products offered by Saturna Capital. This material should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security in any jurisdiction where such an offer or solicitation would be illegal. We do not provide tax accounting or legal advice to our clients, and all investors are advised to consult with their tax accounting or legal advisors regarding any potential investment. Investors should not assume that investments in the securities and or sectors described were or will be profitable. This podcast is prepared based on information Saturna Capital deems reliable. However, Saturna Capital does not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the information. Investors should consult with a financial advisor prior to making an investment decision. The views and information discussed in this commentary are at a specific point in time, are subject to change, and may not reflect the views of the firm as a whole. All material presented in this publication, unless specifically indicated otherwise, is under copyright to Saturna. No part of this publication may be altered in any way, copied or distributed without the prior express written permission of Saturna Capital.